It's a beautiful thing to be able to enter into a place where there is real worship happening and that the God of creation is actually engaging with his people. And if you, if you don't experience that, then I, I'm just going to encourage you, press in a little bit more. Because the presence of the Lord is so beautiful, so wonderful, and so powerful. Can we give a hand to our music ministry and thank them so much for engaging with the Lord and leading us in that engagement? If you would, please stand with me and open your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. And we have a lot of ground to cover this morning. And so I'm going to encourage you to take notes, encourage you to... To listen to this message again, there's a lot of material that's here. So 1 Peter chapter 4, when you got it, say so. so. Beginning in verse 7, it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling as each one, hear these words, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is true, that is powerful, that is life and life-giving. And we pray, Holy Spirit, in this moment that you would speak clearly to our hearts today, Lord God. I pray that you would use me in these next few moments to convey your truth. And even as the Apostle Peter exhorts those who speak as though the oracles of God, Lord, I pray that it would not be my words that are heard today, but that it would be yours. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church and to us individually and collectively. We pray against distractions of mind and heart in this place and even those who are joining us online, God. May you be glorified. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand, please, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want to be sure, again, that you're able to follow along, that you are able to take notes, that you're able to participate and, uh, and, and, and really think through what we're going to be talking about today. This is the fourth uh, message in this series that we started in the beginning of the year, which is Disciples Follow. And we're talking about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Some years ago, we went away as leaders, and in this retreat, we talked about what it was to be a disciple of Jesus, what we understood as the mandate for us to be disciples of Jesus. And what we came, to, what we came away with from that retreat is that a disciple loves God, a disciple grows together, a disciple serves, and a disciple reaches others. That, that, that's the components that we see In the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, those are the things that we understand that God has mandated for us. And every week, Pastor Aldo or whoever is up here and does the greeting, we always remind you that here at Core Faith Church, we are committed to those things. Some of you may may not even notice this, but in the back door, and for those of you that are in here, you can see it. But right over the back door, over the threshold there, there is a sign there that says committed to 
And my hope is that in some way, psychologically, somehow it gets imprinted on you, glory to God, that when you walk out these doors that you are committed to loving God, growing together, serving and reaching others. That's, that's my prayer. That's our hope as leaders because we believe that this is the truth when it comes to what a disciple should look like. And today, we're going to talk about being faithful, faithful, faithful in our service. We're supposed to be faithful servants. And the apostle Peter, he makes things so crystal clear. First of all, verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. After he's been in this time of exhortation of the churches that he's writing to, he reminds them that the end is at hand. And, and we just went through the book of Revelation. And if we were paying attention, we know what? That we are closer to the end the proverbial end, which is when Christ will return, that God, God's wrath will be poured out on this earth. We are closer to that time than ever before. I mean, just, just because of the year, right? <laughs> this is written almost 2,000 years ago, so we know, right, that we are closer to that end. And, 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 and God's end may seem a little bit different than ours, but we should never fall asleep, right? We should believe that we are that generation that will see the return of the Lord. Every generation that has lived from the time of the apostles unto present, every generation believed that they would be that generation. That's the faith that we should have. That's the urgency that we should live with, not thinking, well, you know, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, my great-great-great-grandmother, and they were preaching this, and, and Jesus still hasn't returned, so I'm just going to chill and worry about something else. No, that's not the way we should live. We should be living with an, with an urgency in our heart, with an understanding that the end of all things is at hand, and we're supposed to be what? Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. We should be a people that are devoted to and committed to prayers. I think my sister Raquel, because she is on realm every day, if you're not on realm, you need to get on realm, at least at minimum, just so that we can get the notifications of the daily reminder of some scriptures to read. She challenged us in the beginning of the year, and I was grateful for the challenge because she challenged us in the month of January. January to spend 30 days praying and reading through, and it's not going to be 30 days, but 28 days, but you get the point, that you would spend that time in the book of Acts and that you would begin reading and praying. And then she puts in there other scriptures and encourages us and exhorts us in, in, in brief ways, but encouraging ways, at least for me and for those of you that are receiving them. I hope that they do encourage you. But we should be watchful. We should be serious in prayer. But I love what he says, verse 10. He says, as each one has received a gift. Again, I will drive this home throughout our whole time together and every passage that we look at. There is not one person in this room or watching me online that has not been gifted by God in order to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. He has given us gifts, different gifts, the moment you are born again, the moment you receive the Spirit of God, you receive gifts, at least one gift, at minimum one. Some of you are multiple gifted, hallelujah. And it is, and it is, and it is to be a manifestation of the grace of God. The gifts that we have are not about us. It's never about us. It's about the glory of God. It's about showing others not how great you are, but how great he is who he is in us, and, and, and we're supposed to be operating and serving in our, and, and, and be faithfully serving. And so Peter makes it clear to us that we have been given certain gifts, and he, and he points out one of speaking and the other one of serving, two different types of gifts. I, I like to categorize all the gifts under those two headings. I won't do that this, this morning, but we can see those two areas, the gifts that are vocal, the, the preaching, teaching, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We'll look at those in a moment. Those are those speaking gifts. 
gifts or hospitality, administration, leadership. Those are the gifts of service, right, that, that God gives us. And so we've been gifted in different ways, and we're supposed to use those gifts for the glory of God and for the edification of the church. If you look at your outline, I want you to see this here. We are living in a time where biblical leadership is more necessary than ever. Can I get an amen to that? We are living in a time like this. A quick glance at our thoughts of politicians and our choices make this clear. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't want to get deep in the weeds on that, but I, I, I was digging uh, yesterday and I was looking, at, I was looking up the, the term, right? You know, all politicians lie. Where'd that come from? <laughs> and, and, and we know that this is true, do we not? I hope you know this. If you did not, newsflash. I know you get riled up, you know, when they get their moment in the spotlight and you think, oh, this, yeah, okay. <laughs> no matter how great they are, trust me, some of them are embellishing, some of them are being, you know, using hyperbole, some of them are just flat out lying, some of them are just lost and they don't know what's going on. But anyway, that's a different topic. Um, amen, hallelujah. But, but here's the thing, as, as I was reading this article, it broke my heart because you know what this article said that just like smacked me in the face? With the concept of all politicians lie is that we actually want them to lie to us. <laughs> we actually, there, there, there's some things we don't really want to know the truth about. We would rather somebody cover something up. We would rather, we don't, you really don't want that, but somewhere in you, you don't really want to know how ugly it is. You don't really want to know how bad it is. You want to have some kind of hope or something like that, right? And so, and so nonetheless, this, but, 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 but here's the problem. We've allowed them to continue to lie more and more and more and be deceitful more and more. It's an issue with us, church. See, what we have to come to terms with is that there's, that there's something broken. And so what I think, at least for me, we need, leaders, we, we need leadership. We need Jesus leadership in your outline there, which is really a call to be leadership. Remember Pastor Frank used the term leadership, right? Like, not, not, it, it, it's, it's about those who are doing what? Those who are faithfully serving the chief shepherd. Those who are faithfully serving the chief shepherd. That's what, that, that's what leadership, you know, that, that's what they are. That's what they do, right? They, they're, they're, they're not serving because of their title or their position. They're serving because of who God is. Because of what God has done for them. Because they come to this point where like when we're in here and the reason why we can get lost in worship is because of what? Because of what he's done for us. Because we, we, we have been overwhelmed by the reality of him saving us, of him delivering us. When we really begin to reflect on and look at the cross and what Jesus has done, that motivates us, that moves us to a place of awe and gratefulness and, and a desire to do what? To serve him faithfully. And, he, and here's the problem, church. When church leadership starts reflecting worldly leadership, the culture will suffer a deficit in leadership. See, the church leadership, again, the leadership in the church should look so much different than the world. We should be honest no matter how ugly it is. We should encourage people's faith in Christ above everything else. We should be people who stand for truth no matter what the cost is. The other day, uh, Matt Walsh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Uh, I think he's from Real Wire or Daily Wire or something like that. 
He's a, he's a commentator, political, you know, guy. He, you know, he talks about all kinds of issues. And he was on Dr. Phil the other day. And he had a debate over, over the, the gender issue. And, and you know, because everybody's got their pronouns and all, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And, 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 and so as he got on there, he, he stood alone, right? And, and, and was made to look like, right? Because, you know, you know, the crowd is, is, is typically not on his side. That's not his arena. He's stepping into a different arena. But what he does is he goes there and he is being a man of truth. And he's standing for truth, and they brought this really smart psychologist in there who said that his views were radical. His, view, his views of gender are radical. But for the last umpteen thousands of years, that has been the view. Male, female. You are born with certain anatomy, right? I love what he pointed out. He said, listen, if, if, if someone, if we pull a skeleton out of the ground a thousand years, that's a thousand years old, we can't tell what they were thinking about themselves, but we can tell what they were. It's in the DNA. It matters. What, but what, but what, what, Bishop, what, what, what does this have to do with anything? What this has to do with is that we as the church, that's part of being a leader, Standing for truth even when it is unpopular or uncomfortable. Standing true, no, listen, no matter who, who it's going to offend, no matter what it is going to cost you. Being true leadership. But you know, you don't do that just because you want to, you know, pat on the back. Why do you do it? Because Jesus died and rose for you. We have to be those type of people. So what's the cure for this leadership issue that we have in our culture and even within our church? In the book of Matthew, I think this is in your outline as well. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is a recounting of a dispute amongst the disciples of who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And Jesus exhorts his disciples, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. You desire greatness? You want to be great? Be a servant. This is Jesus' words. This is the cure to all the pride, to all the arrogance, to, to, to all of the ego. This is the cure. Be a servant. Be a servant. Above everything else, be a servant. He goes on in, in, in that exhortation. And, and, and again, this is in Matthew 20, uh, verse 20 through 28 that I'm quoting here. But in the end of the exhortation, he ends it like this, telling us to be just like him, speaking to his disciples directly, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Let me say it like this. I want you to think about this this morning. We can offer no greater reflection of Jesus than to faithfully serve others. We can offer no greater reflection of Jesus than to faithfully serve others. See, because when I'm serving, what I'm doing is I'm showing love. And when, and when I embrace what Jesus is communicating here, <clears throat> that he came to serve, not be served, he did this what? In a radical way, did he not? He, he, he didn't just like... You know, help an old lady across the street. Hello. That's a good thing. He didn't just go and help somebody move. He didn't just, no, no. He, he did something a little bit greater than that. 
He didn't just work a shift for somebody else so that way they could spend some family time or something. No, 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 no. He did something greater than that. He gave his life a ransom for all. That's how he served. That's the extreme to which he went to serve us, to do for us, this is the gospel, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. We cannot appease God no matter how good we are. Listen, let me say this. Even by serving until you are dead and, and, and you cannot serve any, you, you, listen, that's not going to earn your way into heaven. But nonetheless, because we have gratitude for what Jesus has done, we should be committed to serving with everything that is within us, no matter what it costs us, no matter how painful it is, no matter, we should be willing to give, not just some time, but all of our time. Not just some of our lives, all of our life. This is, this is what serving is. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just serve like, hey, I'm going to serve, you know, from three to four. <laughs> On Sunday, right? Like that, 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 that's the time frame in which I can serve. That's the box. <laughs> I'm going to lay my life down for an hour a week, and that's, that's going to be it. Right? I mean, sometimes, we, you know, we, we think we're doing so much because we gave an hour, two hours. Oh, we gave three. Hey, oh, hallelujah. Listen. Amen. Amen. We do. I agree. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You need to hear it again, I guess. Glory to God. I don't know, but <laughs> here's the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say faithful service, faithful service. is only possible, only possible when, it is unto the Lord. when it is unto the Lord. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. We got three different portions of scripture that we're going to turn to. Colossians chapter 3. You saw Peter's words, I want us to look at the Apostle Paul's words, Colossians chapter 3, and we'll begin reading in verse 16. When you got to say so. And it says this, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants or slaves, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Those are encouraging words, aren't they? Powerful words, challenging words to be sure, but they are nonetheless encouraging words. And so, and, and so what we see here is that just like we talked about in the, in the week when we talked about love, we talked about our commitment to love, just as love being the necessary motivating force behind all that we do, if the focus, hear me now, if the focus of our service is misplaced or our faithfulness in service will be short-lived, half-hearted, or do more harm than good. Are you here? If our focus is misplaced in our service, 
In other words, if you're serving to be recognized, ah. Uh, If, if, if you're only going to serve for the promotion, right, if, you, if you're only going to serve for the, for the increase, right, and, and let me just say this really quickly because I, I want you to notice here what, 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 what Paul does here is he goes through this list of things and he points out some, some certain um, um, be, uh, or, or positions that we have in life. Some of, some of you in the room are wives. Some of you in the room are husbands. All of us in the room at one point were children in a home, Right, And so as adults, obviously, things change, but all of us were children. Some of us are fathers or parents, right? And so we have these scenarios, and none of us in here are slaves. None of us are slaves. And at that time, there were slaves, but, but, but we are employees, right? Sometimes that feels like slavery. Hello. <laughs> but if we're serious, right, it's nothing like slavery because we're, we're getting paid for what we do, right? Even, even if, right, they're expecting us to do more than what we're getting paid for or to go outside of our job description, right, and, or, or, or someone else is slacking and we're picking up this. I know we hate all of these things, right? Like, again, you paying me eight to five, like, what's up? Why you got me here at six? I'm not with that, you know? I'm supposed to be working Monday through Friday. You want me to come in on Saturday? What is wrong with you, Right? Like, it's not my fault so-and-so is not doing their job. I'm doing my, I'm up in here early and I'm leaving late and I'm still, and they ain't doing nothing. I, you, I know, I feel you. Come on now. But, but, but in all of these scenarios, you realize you are serving. When a wife is submitting to her husband, she is serving. When a husband is loving his wife, he is serving, hallelujah. When children are obeying their parents, they are serving. Parents, when you are parenting, when you are developing your children, you are serving. So how is it possible for us to make sure that we're doing things? See, when, when our focus is correct, we will do all things honorably. What do I mean? Look at verse 17 really quickly. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Honorably do it all in his name. Now just think about that for a moment. What does that mean? Just want to take time to unpack that briefly. Can you curse someone out in the name of Jesus? Don't answer that. Some of you think you can, I don't know, but, it, but let me answer it for you. No, you cannot curse someone out in the name of Jesus. Not without having to repent later, right? Like I'm like you can, now, now listen, you can rebuke someone. That's a difference. Cursing someone out and rebuking them are two different things. I know sometimes you get them mixed up. Listen. I thought I was rebuking them, Bishop. No, 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 no. There, there's a difference. <laughs> Hand gestures and things. Like, these hand gestures are good. Other ones, not so much, right? Like, that's, like, like, like that's not a rebuke, right? Like, that's a, that, that's a provocation. Hello, right? When you rebuke someone, you may come to them hard, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm a loud guy. I'm an intense guy. You guys hear me up here. You know, you know me. My wife's off, often telling me, stop preaching. I'm like, babe, this is who I am. I just, I preach all the time. It's, I'm always in preacher mode, right? I'm arguing I'm in preacher mode. I'm, I'm correcting I'm in preacher mode. It's always like this, this Pray for, pray for my family because they got to deal with this preacher all the time. You get me for like, you know, I take, I take over. So, I, you know, you get me for like an hour on Sunday, right? Like they get me like all the time. 
But 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 listen, right? So so what 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 what? <laughs> I, I I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ultimately, anyway, if you if you can bring me back, bring me back. But but here but here's the thing. Rebuking, yes, rebuking. There you go, rebuking and cursing. That's what it was. I don't curse them out, hallelujah, right? I rebuke them, right? I appreciate that. Thank you so much for paying attention, amen. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when we do everything in the name of the Lord, that's the point. When we do everything in the name of the Lord, we, we, we have to be sure that it is something that we're doing that would honor Christ, I talked to him about my, my, I call him my friend, Matt Walsh, right, who got up there and got in the conversation about gender issues and all of that. I don't know, I don't know if Matt Walsh is a Christian. I can't answer that for you. I don't know that much about him. But what, what I know is this, is that he was rebuking a thought that is prevalent in our culture. He wasn't cursing anyone out. Now, he offended someone because Dr. Phil asked him and said, hey, so do you think that these people are just delusional or something like that? And he's like, well, yeah, delusional could be there. And the one that was on the other side of the table was like, oh, and like laugh, like really, you're saying I'm delusional. Absolutely. If you would have seen them, if you see, go, go, go Google it. Don't Google it now, right? <laughs> Write it down in your notes. Google it later. And you're going to be like, oh, they're delusional for sure. But nonetheless, he was rebuking, right? He wasn't cursing someone out. So everything we do, do it in the name of the Lord. That's, that, that, that's one way. When we're, when we're focused, we're going to do all things in the name of the Lord. Now let's jump down to verse 23. He says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. See, the focus is on him. I'm doing it for him, for his glory, not for mine. I'm not doing it for someone to say, hey, good job. Listen, we should. I believe that we should encourage people and let them know, hey, man, I appreciate your work. Should we not? No, no, no matter what, we should always say, hey, man, thank you so much. You know, I appreciate the work you're doing. We should always try to let people know that they are appreciated, right? For me, I, you know, I, I honestly, and I'm just being honest, I have to remind myself of that all the time because I don't, and, and I don't say this to be prideful. I mean this sincerely. I've never done anything, right, when it comes to the service of the Lord. Now, outside of that, I can say that I've done things like for someone to pat me on the back or to get some kind of result. But when it comes to doing things for the Lord, I've never done it so someone say, hey, man, you're doing a great job. I've never done that. So I have to remind myself that even though we don't do it for that, it's still nice to hear. Amen? And so we should do that. We should be encouraging to folks. We should be encouraging and helping them to see Man, I appreciate what you're doing. But when we're serving, we're not doing it for that. Because guess what? If someone like me forgets to say, hey, I appreciate you, thank you, be like, Psh, man, I did all that work. He didn't even say thank you. But see, now you got to check your heart. Did you do that for me or did you do that for Jesus? And I don't say that because I don't ever want to miss an opportunity to say thank you. I'm simply saying that when people forget to say thank you, when people forget to recognize the work you did, when people don't see how much work you did, right? You know those things happen, right? If our focus is wrong, it's going to be half-hearted. It's going to be short-lived. It's going to be something that could do more harm than good because then you get to the, I'm not serving no more. Right? Those things happen. So how can a wife, husband, a child, a parent, or a slave be faithful in their service? That's what, that's what Paul calls them to do. How can they do that? I'll give you three things. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one, the word of Christ must dwell 
in them richly. The word of Christ must dwell in them richly. I can tell you everything that I just said to you, you will not be able to accomplish if you are not in God's word consistently. If God's word is not getting down deep in your heart, what does it mean to let the word of Christ dwell? Let the word of Christ be at home in you. That's what it means. Richly. Not just like you got just a memory verse every once in a, once in a while or that you just read a scripture. No, no, no. But that the word of Christ is dwelling in you. That the word of Christ has found a home in you richly. That it is there. That it is abounding. That in your home it's not weird when you start quoting the Bible. <laughs> like someone looking at it like, what happened, Dad? You quoting the Bible? What? <laughs> what happened, Ma? You, 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 wait a second. You going to Jesus? What are we talking about? Hold on a second. It should be normal that, that when people see you, they know, man, I don't want to ask him. Is he going to bring me to the Bible? <laughs> like, seriously, like that, that's not a bad thing, right? Like, there's just some people, they don't really want to hear what the Bible has to say, so they're not going to ask for your advice. <laughs> they're not going to ask your opinion because what do you do? You bring them back to the Scriptures. And some people don't want to be brought back to the Scriptures. They want to figure out another way. There's like another answer. No, there isn't. The second thing is they must be sincere in heart. What, is, what, what does Paul say? He says that we should do it from that place of sincerity, sincerity of heart, that, that, that there has to be. Verse 22, bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, with a pure heart. Let me say this. If the word of Christ is not dwelling in you, guess what? Your heart is not going to be pure because you're going to always do things for eye service. You're going to always do things to please man. Paul says don't do it that way. And the third thing is they must fear God. See, at the the end of it all, when there is a fear of the Lord that is gripping your life, what happens? Your focus is on him, not others. Your focus is on him, not others. Your focus is on, man, is this pleasing to him? In our our Core Faith 101, when we talk about the vision of the church, Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. What's our vision? To please the Lord in all that we do. What drives what we do? We want to please God in all that we do, in everything we do, in every single thing we do. Every decision we make as leaders, we want to please the Lord in what we do. Listen, it may offend, it may bother, it may be uncomfortable. Nonetheless, we want to please the Lord. See, that is what's supposed to happen to us. Our focus upon the Lord will fade, and we will miss our rewards if we lose sight of the fact. And what I love this. Look at verse, um, continue reading with me here, verse 24. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Is that not a beautiful, encouraging word there? If they forgot to say thank you, he doesn't. If they didn't recognize all the work, he did. If they never acknowledge you being there. Now, listen, serving in church or serving outside, right? Because like I said, sometimes you got to do things that are above and beyond. If you feel unappreciated and and you're serving, listen, who are you doing it for? You're doing it for the faithful rewarder. That's what we're doing it for, right? We're doing it for the one that rewards. We're doing it for the one who is at the end, he's going to say, well done. They may, he, might, he might even, you know, put, put his hand around your shoulder and say, hey, they, they, they might have did you wrong, but I saw you. 
They might have not seen all of your hard work. They might have, not, might have not recognized your efforts. They may have never paid attention to what you were doing, but I see you. Those are good words. He is the one who holds the inheritance. So what are we doing it for? We're doing it for his glory. So the bottom line is no matter our role, our highest aim must be what? To please the Lord in everything that we do. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say faithful service, faithful service. is only possible when it is according to need. Faithful service is only possible when it is according to need. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to think about this because from the time that we learn the phrase, I need, someone is usually trying to shape our understanding of the term that we're using, right? Think about it. Because, because when, when somebody says, I need that, they're, they're, that's a different sound, right? So what do kids do? They, 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 I need this, right? They need everything, right? <laughs> they're, they're, there's not, they don't want anything. I need that. You know, the, the, the new toy that comes out that they play with for 10 minutes, they need that. They break it, and it's like, I, I thought you needed that. Yeah, I did, but, you know, I'm done with it now. <laughs> we have to understand the difference between a need and a want. Why? Because they can easily be confused because lust pull hard and disguise themselves well. See, in the church, it's the same way. See, because, we, you know, we learn, we, we learn the difference between needs and, and, and wants. Hopefully, we learn the difference. But when we get older, those, it, it seems like those things still seem to be, I, I need that. And in the church, I, I read this article, and this article, the title was, Church, Have We Lost Our Calling? by Brie Gowan. And so this woman, she poses this question, have we lost our calling? As it seems the church is more concerned with being right than leading people to Christ. What's the greatest need? Is the greatest need to win every debate? Listen, the greatest need isn't for Matt Walsh to win every debate. If he's a Christian, the greatest need is for him to point people to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, I think the debate is good. I think having the conversation is important because as the psychologist asked him, why does this matter to you so much? Why do you care so much about it? You know, everybody in the crowd laughs and stuff like that. He's like, I would love to answer that question. He's like, you know why I care? Because I care about kids. I care about kids who are being confused. At four years old, you know, he said, your kid comes to you and says, hey, your boy comes to you and says, hey, I'm a girl. You know, the good response, and I'm just, I'm just giving you information in case you don't go Google it later. His good response was this. He said, ask your kid, what do you mean by that? As a matter of fact, he asked the other panelists to, de to define what a woman is. You know, they never gave the definition of what a woman is. Because if you give a definition then you can't be that. See, so if I say a dog is this, and then you say, I'm a dog. Oh, no, you're not. This is what a dog is. See, when your kid comes to you and says, I'm a girl, what do you mean by that? They probably mean, I want to play with dolls or something. Okay, play with dolls, but you're still a boy. That doesn't change who you are. I'll grow you out of that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. He didn't say that. I just said that. I just said that. We'll get some, we'll, we'll, we'll get some big figures. Because, you know, boys play with dolls too, right? They're just Spider-Man and G.I. Joe and those types of things, right? I mean, anyway, anyway. So moving forward here, she, she, she communicates this, and she, and she asks this question. Have we lost our calling? 
I think the same can be applied when it comes to serving, when it comes to leadership in the church and the purpose for the leadership in the church. What is the greatest need? Why did God give you leadership? Why, why did he put leadership in the church? Was it to itch your spiritual ears? Was it, was it to meet some spiritual affinity that you have? No. What is the purpose? Ephesians. You're there in Ephesians, I hope. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 begins to tell us what this was. And this, our, our leaders, we went away on the leaders retreat that we do every year in November. When we went on the leaders retreat, we went through Ephesians chapter four. And as we walked through Ephesians chapter four, this is what we, we read. And I want to just point out a couple of things to you. And he gave himself, verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the imitator, uh, to, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, I want you to know each of these passages that we're looking at, I could easily spend an hour or a couple just walking through every definition here and everything that's in there. We don't have time for that this morning. I know you have plans after church. Hallelujah. Hmm. But here's what we came away with in this. The purpose of leadership, and <clears throat> we don't have time to talk about these different ministry gifts, but apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, just think of that as leadership. A multitude of, of leadership, a plurality of leadership that are gifted in different ways that God places in the church to do what? To build the church. To do what? To equip the church, to equip the saints, that's you, that's the church, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So wait a second, what is, our, what, what, is, what is our role as leaders? Number one, to equip you to work, hallelujah. To furnish you with the, with the things needed in order for you to work. Now listen, God is the one who gives you gifts. We're gonna see that in our next verse that we look at. God is the one who gives you the gifts. It's us to help you develop in certain areas which he rolls out here for us, but it's also for what? For the edifying of the body of Christ, building up the body of Christ. And so we came away with three things this year. These are our goals that, that we have that we came away from the leaders retreat. Is number one is to promote unity of the faith, Pro promote unity of the faith. The second one, and I changed it. We had the word encourage, but I changed it to the word inspire just because I didn't like the acronym P that was going to come out of it, right? So I like the acronym PI. Hallelujah. I just, you know, you'll get that later. <laughs> Promote unity of the faith. Inspire maturity in character. Inspire maturity in character and expect, check this out now, expect meaningful contribution. In other words, we don't want you to just sit down and just say, well, let me see if Bishop moved me today. We don't want you to just sit down and come and, you know, gauge, well, I like the music, I didn't like it, or, you know, kids' ministry was good for my kid. No, no that, that's not it. What we want to do is we expect you to contribute. 
Because what? Because we know that we are equipping. We know that we are edifying. We are doing our part as leadership. Now, what do we have to do? We have to expect of you to do something, not just sit back and be like, hey, I'm good. I got a, you know, I had a good church today, or maybe not. Listen, this is what Paul is expecting. So, what, so those are the things that we see as being needs within the church. So what do we need? Here, let's look at some of these things here. We need to be equipped for the work of service or the work of ministry more than we need anything else as far as promotion or anything like that. We need, we, we need to be equipped for the work of ministry more than, we, more than we need to be comfortable. We want to be comfortable, right? Do we not? I think we do. We all enjoy being comfortable. We all, we, 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 we all enjoy our, you know, I just told you about it, right? Our Sunday nap, hallelujah. We all enjoy our activities that we do. We all enjoy the things that we participate in. Nothing wrong with that. But we're being equipped to serve. We're being equipped for God to use us as he so desires. More than promotion, we need edification. That's what leadership is supposed to do. That's to build your faith in Christ so you can do what? So you can serve faithfully. So you can serve faithfully. So you can serve, so you can do what it is that God has called you to do in a faithful manner. More than titles, we need to commit to doing our part. What did it say? Look, go back to verse 16 with me. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. More than titles, we need to commit to doing our part in the growth process of the church. We talked about church growth last week. We talked about not just the numbers in the building, but our spiritual growth. It's all connected here. What we need, the need that is there, if we're going to be faithful, again, faithful service is only possible when it is according to need. Not what we want. Not what we want. Not what we think we need, but what the scriptures say we need. What do we need? We need unity of the faith. Amen? Amen? We need, we need to be mature in our character. We need to be mature. Listen, we, we, we need to be able to forgive one another. We need to be able to have difficult conversations and then not feel funny later on because, man, they told me. Or I told them, and now you feel funny because, you know, I, I feel that way sometimes. I have those conversations and I feel... Some, you know, man, man I, I don't know. But if we're maturing in our faith, if we're growing in our faith, then guess what? Tough, tough conversations are just that, tough conversations. They happen. They're going to happen. They're going to continue to happen. They need to happen. Amen. That's how we grow, though, right? We need unity of the faith. We need maturity in character, and we need meaningful contribution. Not just a one-hour window that you give God a week, but that you say, God, I want to be used by you. I want you to use me the way that you see fit. I want to recognize my life is not my own. My life belongs to you. And as we'll see in this last verse, you've gifted me in a certain way, and I want to serve you with those gifts. Say this with me. Faithful service, Faithful service. is only possible, possible when it is according to gifting. Faithful service is only possible when it is according to gifting. See, everybody 
looks at certain gifts and thinks, man, I wish I could do that. You know, you see somebody up here singing and you're like, man, I wish I could sing like that. I see Hector all the time on the keyboards and I'm like, man, I wish I could play like that. Hallelujah. I'm like, man. He knows. I get, I get, I get excited. That's, that, that's probably one of my saddest parts. And I can't just watch him from there. I take notes all the time, right? I'm like, his hand's over here. I don't know what he's doing, but amen. Glory to God. I love you, man. But we see different people's gifts and we're like, man, I wish I had that gift. You see John, right? You know, I mean, you know, Minister John, he's, he's like, you know, let me see you, right? Like that, like he's the, he's the dude, right? <laughs> but listen, if I try to be John, it's just, it just won't be natural. If you try to be John, it won't be natural, right? If you try to, but, but, but can I say something? There is a way that God has gifted you. And God wants to use you according to how he gifted you. And, and, and if you would just let him use you, the church would be built the way that he wants. It's easy to be discouraged because, man, I don't have that gift. I, I, don't, I don't have that position. I don't have that. No, wait, wait a second. God is not asking you about what they have. He's asking you about what you have. About what he gave you, how he has gifted you. So the apostle Peter, he made it clear. The apostle Paul makes it clear in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn there with me really quick. We're going to run through these 29 verses in like five minutes. Like I said, there's so much to unpack here. But I want you to have a firm foundation of how it is you're supposed to serve. And he makes it clear in other places that we each have been gifted in some way for some purpose. And what's that purpose? To glorify God and to edify his church, which ultimately leads us, leads us to reaching others, which is what we'll talk about next week. And now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. When you got it, say so. Here's what it says. It says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to, carried away to these dumb idols, However, you were led. You hear that? That sounds offensive, doesn't it? He's so sarcastic. <laughs> Called them dumb, like however you were led, right? I mean, he's just, you know, I don't want you to be ignorant, right? I love Paul. Hallelujah. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaks by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God. I just want you to notice there, you saw the Spirit, you saw the Lord, and you saw God the Father there. You see the, you, the picture of the Trinity who is working. This is what it says, who works all, who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? To each one for the profit of who? Of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So you hear what Paul is saying here. He is saying, listen. God has given each and every one of you a specific gift as he wills. He has a will. He has a desire. It's not my desire. It's not, I, didn't, I didn't ask God to, you know, to be a preacher. I didn't, you know, I didn't ask him to do those things. He is the one who equipped me and called me to do that. He is the one who has given. But, but, but my question is for you, where are you gifted? 
How is it that God has gifted you? In what way has God gifted you? How has he given you gifts that are supposed to be used for the profit of all? For the benefit of all that are there. He goes on to say this. I love this here. He says, for as the body is one, verse, verse 12, for as the body is one, it has many members, but all the members of that body, of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Now listen to this. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So the first, the first issue that Paul addresses here is those who think, I'm not necessary. See, there, there, there's people that sit in the church, right, in Corinth in particular, and like I said, we're going to go through the book of, uh, of Corinthians in this, in this year. But in the church of Corinth, there were some people that had those vocal gifts. There were some people that were speaking in tongues. There were some people who were prophesying, there, there, and, and there were other people that were like, man, but I don't have that. So I guess I'm not necessary. And Paul is saying, that's not true. You're necessary. You're just looking at it from the wrong perspective. You're not realizing that you're different for a reason. It's not because you don't belong. To the contrary, it's because you belong. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is communicating, listen, don't get down on yourself because you don't have that gift. Recognize the gift you have and let God use you the way that he wants. He goes on to say, he says, but now indeed there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. So this is the other problem. It's not that I'm not needed. You're not needed. You know, you're really not necessary in my life. This is, this is what Paul is saying here. I really don't need you, man. I'm an eye. What do I need you for? I'm a hand. <laughs> What do I need you for? I don't, I don't need you for anything. Wait a second, but you do need these other parts of the body according to what Paul says. Now, let's skip down here to verse, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing. And then notice, he, get, he gets into a different gift here, two different gifts he doesn't mention in the top there, which lets us know that the list that he made is not an exhaustive list, but he talks about helps, administrations, variety of tongues. And he asked him rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he's going to go into chapter 13 where he talks about love. The bottom line is this, and this is what I want to convey to you as we're looking at this text. We need to understand this. Number one, we've been reconciled. We need others. We have been reconciled to Christ and to each other. 
we need others. We cannot say, I don't need you. We talked about this last week. Let me just reiterate it and drive it home a little bit further. Christianity is not supposed to be by myself, in my cocoon, on my island. That's not it. In my prayer closet, in my body. All of that is part of it. But that's not where it ends. It cannot end there. We have been reconciled. We need others. The second thing is we have been gifted. We are needed. See, I don't want you to get prideful, but I want you to know something. God has gifted you, and when you don't serve, you are withholding from the body what God has provided for the body. Are you here? When you don't serve, when you don't use the gift that God has given you, when you don't position yourself by submitting to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm committed to serving with whatever gifts that you've given me, even if you don't know your gifts, just positioning yourself and saying, God, use me as you will. Listen, when you don't do that, you're just holding back. And you're holding back on God because you're saying, well, you know, yeah, God, you gifted me, but I, you know, I, I, I don't need them. I, I, you know, you know I'm, I'm good. I told you last week, you can't have that mindset. We have been gifted and we are needed. And let me say this, no matter what you feel. No matter what's jumping up inside of you, arguing with me right now, it doesn't matter. You've been reconciled, you need others, you've been gifted, we need you. No matter what you feel, no matter how you think, it doesn't matter. This is what the scriptures say. You were born again. You have been brought into a relationship with Jesus. And listen, God has a purpose for you. And so one of the issues that I see that is, that, that is most of an issue in the church is this. Is, is, is it people trying to fit based on carnal machinations? There's this thing called homogeneity. Being homogenous. Being alike. And what we do is we, we want to we connect with people based upon how we are alike. So sometimes we connect based on gender. Oh, this is a men's group, this is a women's group, and then I'm gonna try to connect that way. And then if there, but, but here's the thing, that doesn't always work too well because if there are not some other connections, like, you know, if you don't like guns, hallelujah. If you don't like hunting, right, you don't like fishing, then you may not fit in that particular men's group because there's not, a mu- there, there's not enough of that homogenous stuff going on there, right? You can look at interests. And so we try to connect ourselves based on these things that make us alike instead of connecting by the reality of our reconciliation and our spiritual gifts. Listen, the bottom line is you've been born again. You're part of a family. We need you to be part of that body. We need you to connect in that body. We need you to serve in that body so that we can all be edified and God can be glorified to the fullest in us. And so here's my closing question for you. Are you faithfully serving? Now, I want you to notice, I didn't just say, are you serving? I said, are you faithfully serving? There's a difference. It's kind of like when you tell your child to go take out the garbage. And they go take it out, and they're mumbling and grumbling and making all kind of noise. They did it, but they didn't do it. They didn't do it the way they were supposed to do it. See, there's a difference between doing something faithfully and just doing something. So I want you to wrestle with that. Are you faithfully serving? Not just are you serving. Is your heart in what you're doing? 
Are you using the gifts? <laughs> not just doing what's comfortable. Not just the three hour a week or one hour, whatever it is. Are you faithfully serving? And if you're not, I hope you will hear God's spirit calling you to serve and that you will, number one, repent, and number two, commit yourself to using the gifts that God has given you to build the body of Christ. So I'll bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for loving us as you do. Thank you for the great, great mercy that you show us. Thank you, God, for every gift that you have given us. Thank you for every gift that is represented in this room right now. Holy Spirit, I pray for my brothers, for my sisters that are in this place. I pray that we would be humbled before you with gratitude of heart. Grateful because you have saved us. Grateful because you have liberated us from the plans of the enemy. You have brought us into this understanding that we have been reconciled. We are part of your body and we need others. That we would be, be overwhelmed by the truth that you have given each of us gifts and that we are needed because our gifts are needed. And when our gifts are not being used, Father God, we realize that we are holding out on the building project that you're about. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict our hearts where necessary. That you would forgive us for our unfaithfulness to serve as you've called us to. Purify us, God. Cleanse us. Make us whole. Help us to say yes, even when we want to say no. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a hand of praise? He is worthy.